Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Consequence of Sound Podcast Network. I am Dedrick Hendricks, and this is Album of the Week. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Before we get started, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to keep up to date with all the album of the week right here on Consequence of Sound Podcast Network. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. We're at Consequence on Twitter, and I am at DC Hendrix on Twitter with the X like Jimmy. Each Friday, I team up with a fellow writer from ConsequenceofSound.net, and we dissect the highs and lows of the album of the week. This week's album is Kurt Vile's Bottle It In, and I'll be joined by none other than senior writer Tyler Clark. He's going to be joining me today here on the podcast to help dig a little bit deeper into Kurt Vile's new studio album. Now, if anyone doesn't know who Kurt Vile is, he is an American singer, songwriter and record producer. He is much known for his solo work and as the former lead guitarist for the rock band, The War on Drugs. Both in studio and in live performances, Vile is accompanied by his backing band, The Violators. A few solo albums prior to this one. His actual first studio album was back in 2008 with Constant Hitmaker. 2009 followed it up with God is Saying This to You. 2009, Childish Prodigy. 2011, Smoke Ring for My Halo. And then in 2013, Waking on a Pretty Days, which actually peaked all the way at 47 on the U.S. Billboard Top 200. Um, in 2015, Believe I'm Going Down peaked all the way up at number 40 on the U.S. charts. Then in 2017, just last year, a lot of sea lice, which is a collaboration album with Courtney Barnett, which peaked at number 51. But this year we have bottle it in and let's go ahead and dig into bottle it in the album of the week for consequences sound. Let's go ahead and bring in Tyler Clark. Tyler, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you. You know, it should, uh, I usually try and I feel like two Hoosiers at once, you know, we, we, that's, that's <laughs> trouble, that's trouble anywhere you go. <laughs> I agree. I don't kudos, I, kudos to them for taking the risk. I love it, man. I don't think I think you're the only other music journalist I've met from Indiana. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, we're uh, I have to, yeah, I have to, I have to take a survey the next time I <laughs> see anybody. Well, you know, if I find anybody else. <laughs> All right, man. Let's go. Let's go ahead and dig into it. Let's talk about this album that we've both been listening yep. to over the last week. You have the review up at consequencesound.net. So let's go ahead and get into it. Bottle it in by Kurt Vile. We talked a little bit about this before. We started recording. Um, obviously, Kurt Vile probably hasn't put out a bad project yet, and this album does not disappoint. But let's go ahead and start with what preceded this album release with The Lowdown. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's been a few years since we've heard from uh, Kurt Vile, at least in a solo context. Um, obviously, 2015 was a huge year for him. That was uh, the release of Believe I'm Going Down, which uh, sort of continued his rise that he'd been on since his first record back in 2008 or so. Um, and this one, I think, uh, the, the one in 2015 yielded success that I think was even probably unexpected or improbable by his standards. Um, uh, the song Pretty Pimpin' wound up at uh, number one on the adult alternative mm-hmm. chart back then, and so it was uh, sort of gratifying and weird and, and, again, probably pretty unexpected for him. And... Uh, you know, he's had kind of a big few years since then. There was a recent um, profile about him in Rolling Stone where they, they sort of followed him and caught up with him about what's been going on over the past few years. And, you know, he's kind of, he's he's one of those guys who's sort of been, 
you know, he's sort of like your favorite musician, favorite musician for so long. And now he's kind of coming into his own. I mean, he was an answer on Jeopardy. You know, he opened for he's hanging out with like Neil Young and stuff. Um, and it's been obviously he put out that uh, record last year with Courtney Barnett as well. So he's been busy, uh, it sounds like. And he's also been sort of enjoying it uh, as much as he as much as he can when he gets the chance. Um, I know that in the, the prep work for this uh, review, you know, reading some of the press materials, it also sounds like part of that process and part of being so sort of suddenly popular and in demand um, kind of uh, affected his recording schedule as well. You know, he's, this one was a record that was sort of recorded in uh, fits and starts a little bit, you know, whenever he got off tour or, you know, wherever he was. So it was a, a sort of a vagabond of a record, you know, kind of making its way around around the country to at different studios and at different times. And so, um, but, you know, through all that process, he still managed to put out a record that uh, still sounds very much like a Kurt Vile record and one that I think is a little bit in conversation with that uh, success from uh, Leave I'm Going Down and from Pretty Pimpin' in particular. Yeah, and on Bottle It In, I, f- I feel like Kurt Vile, I feel like his his goal in mind and message was to show that he's a musician that is evolving and growing. You know, that's, and that's weird to say for someone that is approaching 40 years old, but I really do feel like he really evolved and grew from this album from the last. And uh, what do you think Kurt Vile's message was? What do you think he was trying to get across and bottle it in on the album? Yeah. I mean, I think subject matter wise, you know, I think this record in, in a lot of ways sort of fits, the trajectory that the rest of the world and the country's been on in the last few years, you know, I mean, Kurt Vile is certainly nothing of a, you know, political songwriter or even a terribly topical songwriter. And I think that that's, that's fine. That's not a criticism, Mm -hmm. but I think that on this one, it seems like, you know, I think I say in the review that like this one was actually intended, it sounds like for a spring release, but Mm -hmm. they pushed it back to October. And I think that really fits because there's a, you know, I mean, you, you still get a lot of the sort of, sunny, hazy, you know, the kind of stuff that you found on, like, w- like Waking on a Pretty Days and that sort of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that you still find appealing if you're a longtime fan of Kurt Vile. But I feel like there is sort of a, there's a little bit of a subtle gloominess on this one that I think matches well, both sonically and lyrically, that I think matches really well with, uh, with yeah, with, with sort of Vile, Kurt Vile's position in the world right now. You know, um, some of the best songs on the record um, I think are pretty subtle meditations on both aging and also like figuring out what success means and figuring out like, you know, something, this is a thing that he's, you know, he's been working towards for his entire life, mm-hmm. you know, because even before he, I mean, in that Rolling Stone profile, he makes it clear that like, even before he was getting records released, like, you know, he'd been in bands since he was, you know, a teenager or even younger. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely a sense of like, well, now that I'm here, you know, how do I, how do I handle this? How do I stay the same when things around me are changing, um, both professionally and just, you know, in terms of like the march of time. And I think that that resulted in some of, in some really tight songwriting in, in a lot of cases. I think that when he sort of, deals with those emotions head on mm-hmm. on this record um you get songs like yeah bones one two, two three, three. Bow. Bow. Yeah. 
again, like, matches sort of Pretty Pimpin's radio friendliness mm-hmm. while still being sort of like, it, it, like you said, it sounds like an evolution. It sounds, um, you know, like him finding that intersection between the sounds that, like, got him here and the sounds that he's moving towards as a songwriter and as a performer. Um, and I think that that, like, that tightness and brightness, and you see it in the mix, too, like, Mm. This one, I feel like, more so than than on most of his records, like I I think he is allowing his voice to do a lot of the the heavy lifting. Um, whereas you know in the past, like it's certainly always been present. And I mean, his delivery style is is one of the things that makes him so appealing. But I mean, I feel like he is operating with a like a not only a clearer voice in terms of subject matter, but a clearer voice like sonically. I think that it's you know they've brought it up and, and sweetened it in the mix a little bit. And and it it feels more present and it feels more uh, more vulnerable and I yeah I think that it's it was a it's a really great record it does like it has that sort of autumnal feeling I think it's going to be for a lot of people you know one of those albums that gets them through you know the end of daylight savings time and mm-hmm. and you know things starting to get dark again so uh, yeah it's really good oh and also like I, I should say I've talked long enough well let's, let's get, get to some more. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear more what you think about this. You could have kept going, but I just, um, (laughs) you mentioning that it was originally scheduled for a spring release makes me feel a lot more relieved because taking in the album, (laughs) the first thing I'm thinking is this is perfect for a road trip, man. Like this is, this is perfect to just get on the highway. I mean, obviously you want somewhere to go. You don't want to just get on the highway for no reason, but if, if you have plans to get on the highway, this is perfect for that. So that explains the original, uh, spring release date. After reading your review, I feel like we have kind of similar, um, opinions on this album. Um, we Mm -hmm. do have a few different essential tracks, which we'll get to later on, but let's go to the good. Um, what were things that you liked overall from this project? Yeah, I mean, I think in in addition to you know some of those songs that I've that I've already mentioned, like Yeah Bones. Uh, I mean, other ones that I I think I think when he when Kurt Vile was able to sort of um, do that sort of that that sort of focused tight songwriting that that feels sort of very genuine and autobiographical, I think he succeeds really well on this record. So in addition to Yeah Bones, you've got tracks like Loading Zone, which definitely plays. You can hear all those influences of those 70s singer-songwriters that mm-hmm. he likes so much. You know, not only like John Prine and um, Neil Young, but, I mean, you get a little bit of Dylan in there, you get a little bit of the band um, in, in this sort of gritty ode to, like, Philadelphia that he's written. Um, even in, like, the, the little bit of, like, gang vocals that he um, deploys on that one, I think that, you know, that, that that's one that's going to be in my headphones for a long time. I really like <laughs> some of the songs that he does about like life as an aging hipster tracks mm-hmm. like one trick ponies and rolling with the flow. How's it going? Once was a thought inside my head. The, the latter of which has this sort of like very, um, like, outlaw country balladry to it that feels kind of like Willie Nelson meets Harry Nelson or something like, and it still has that humor. Cause I think it's so funny. Like, you know, there's that line where he's talking about like his peers are like out raising kids and he's still raising hell. And I think, you know, if you, if you took that, you know, at face, like, it's like, Oh, there's just another guy who like isn't growing up, but like Kurt Vile has kids. Like he's a dad, he's pushing 40. And so like, 
you know, he is, there's a self-awareness there and there's like some self-deprecation that if you're familiar with him and, and if you're familiar with his work and his, his sort of biography, you know, makes these songs even more rewarding. Um, but I think some of my favorite parts of the album have nothing to do with um, his lyrics or his singing, mm-hmm. um, but just some of the performances, especially on some of the, the longer tracks, mm-hmm. um, I think hold more um, sort of metaphorical power than a lot of his, um, his uh, lyrics on this one. I'm thinking in particular of a few moments, like um, there's a couple tracks like Skinny Mini, um, and uh, let, me, let me see what else. There's uh, mutinies. A lot of the like tracks on the on the uh, back half of the record, especially, mm-hmm. have this great thing where they, you know, he'll sort of be singing and sort of weaving one of those like sonic kind of like almost trancey uh, sort of like psychedelic jams that he gets into. And there'll be a moment on those songs where either a guitar will come in or like he'll start to fade out a little bit, and his voice will just get sort of subsumed by. Um, you know, by the sort of growing either cacophony or this, like, in, you know, in, in intrusive instrumental part. And I just think that, like, especially when, when thinking about, like, the, some of the lyrical concerns that he has on earlier parts of the record about, like, you know, about aging and about, like, finding his place in the world and figuring out sort of how to maneuver professionally and personally, that there's this sense of, like, sort of him getting lost in the music, um, which I find really, really appealing. I also really like the, um, you know, there's, I think he talks about in the Rolling Stone article too, that he's sort of over the last few years mm-hmm. has sort of made a more concerted effort to kind of like, you know, practice more clean living and, you know, get get more sober than usual, yep. at least. And there's a really sort of like a hungover song on the record, um, Cold Was the Wind. And it comes with like, it comes like preloaded with these like, warps and pops that makes it sound like you're listening to this like ancient 78 or something and he's just talking about sort of like feeling worn out and and just like stretched in and all that and i just found that really that combination worked really well for me and so i think that you know these are definitely songs that you know uh split the difference often between you know there are definitely some like arena ready singles and there are also some songs that like are totally ready to be like explored whether you're in your headphones or, like you said, like on a long road trip, like there's definitely some songs to get lost in, and so yeah. I think that that's, that he's done a really good job of of striking a balance between those two on this record. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And another thing I loved is there's a, a variety of different feelings you get, you know, throughout this album. I mean, sometimes you, I mean, one song you might be, you know, maybe shedding a couple tears, maybe, and then the next track you might be laughing. Um, and, and that's, yeah. that's, that's another thing I loved about it. And you mentioned, um, loading zones, which I don't, I don't even know where to begin. I, I that just got me <laughs> up and ready to go, man. That was the perfect way to start this album. I don't think there's a, a better track to start this album with. I, that would probably be my favorite track on the album. Not to, not to yeah. give any spoilers for essential tracks or anything, maybe. like the audio equivalent of like putting on a leather jacket you know it's just like got this like perfect. Swa- this weird swagger that i just love yeah perfect 
Perfect. See that that's why that's why you're the writer. You you have the <laughs> you paint the picture, man. There's only a few things. It, it was actually kind of difficult for me to find some bad with the with the album. I'll be honest, but there were a couple songs that I wasn't a fan yeah. of. You mentioned uh, mutinies. I really wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, but backwards, I really didn't like that one either. Felt that one was a little yeah. little dragged out. Um, good tune, but I just felt like there wasn't much there. Um, but for you, yeah. what was some of the bad things that you got from the album? I mean, you know, it's a double edged sword. Um, the way that I think he often approaches lyrics, you know, he's definitely got this like very stream of consciousness um, style of writing that I think when it works is really disarming and really cool because, you know, you, you can be sort of like on this weird journey with him and then all of a sudden like he'll get to something or hit on something totally unexpected and you'll just like come up for air and go like, oh man, like that's kind of profound. And like, you sort of wonder how you got there. And when, when that works, that's really great. But then when it doesn't work, you're just kind of meandering and you know, you're not really the, the, the fact that you're not sort of getting much out of it is, is sort of heightened uh, by that. And yeah, like there were some, some tracks that, that did that for me, like, uh, you know, check baby. I, that, that one, that one was the first one where I was like, eh, <laughs> You know, if you if if we had cut if you could cut one song from the record and not miss it, like um, that one was probably it for me lyrically. Although I mean, it's also like saved by some really really good solo work. You know, so like there's no. I will say this. I I, I should have prefaced with this. Like, there's no song on the record that is like irredeemable or right. anything. You know, there's definitely right. something to like about everything. But like, yeah, the lyrics on Check Baby were just you know sort of meta and and not in a not in a sort of inviting way. And mutinies, like you said, you know, I I have sort of limited patience, and this may just be a personal thing, I don't know, but I have, like, limited patience for people doing the, like, you know, social commentary about, like, yeah. oh, back in my day we talked on, we talked in person and, like, computers right. are evil and all <laughs> that. Like, it's fine. Like, I know that I certainly feel that sometimes, but, yeah. like, it's really hard say that in a in any kind of like new or interesting way at this point <laughs> and i don't think it quite got there for me um and yeah bath backwards that was that was another one that i just again like sort of sonically interesting and 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 fine and then you know it's certainly easy to like lose yourself in from a, a, a sort of arrangement and performance perspective but i think what disappointed me most about that one was that in that rolling stone pre, or, um, profile he talked about sort of what the um inspiration for that song was and i mean you know he mentioned like climate change and like the sort of rising political division and the sort of openness of hatred that you're seeing throughout america these days and i mean again like i said earlier like he's not generally known as a topical or political songwriter and so i was really kind of you know interested in, and a little surprised to, to hear that from him um and i was also like when i then went back and listened to the song i was just like oh man like that that like I think if I hadn't known that and I was just listening to Bass Ackward's like, you know, sight unseen, mm -hmm. maybe it would have been fine. But like to know that he was sort of inspired by these sort of very real, very interesting, um, you know, very sort of significant things, you know, happening not only in our country but sort of globally, um, you know, the sort of translation of that into music and into into the lyrics on that one just 
uh, I don't know, it just fell flat. Like the metaphors you were using, you know, the metaphor he was using just didn't, didn't resonate. I feel like it didn't, uh, it didn't quite capture that. And so I was just, I was a little, I had maybe higher expectations for that one after the, you know, after reading what I had read and, and maybe I sort of spoiled it for myself. <laughs> um, but I just, I don't know. It, 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 it kind of, cause I mean, like I say, certainly, certainly I've seen that song, um, praised elsewhere yeah. and, and maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's one of those things that'll grow on me, but right now I was just like, ah, what a missed opportunity. Well, well, right now they're outvoted cause it's two to one. Um, so <laughs> That's right. That's we, right. we win this battle. <laughs> Um, but we, we mentioned, I I will say though, although I wasn't a big fan of mutinies, um, I will say Kim Gordon's guitar at the end of it. Yeah. I I feel like that made it, you know, it made me feel better for not skipping it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, that's again, like just, you know, just to mention real quick, like, I feel like, um, especially in the last few years, like Kurt Vile seems to have like, um, gotten a lot of sort of attention and sort of collaborative interest from sort of previous generations of like legendary rock musicians. And I think that really speaks to, you know, what his place in the contemporary rock and roll world is. And I think that that's a really good, really good sign when people like Neil Young and like Kim Gordon, you know, want to, want to work with you. Like that's, that says something, I think. Yeah. And one more song before we get to the verdict and your overall grade in essential tracks. One more thing I wanted to ask. One more song. Come again. Now, this is one that when I first heard it, ah, I was, you know, I kind of got that feeling I had with mutinies at first. I was like, man, I don't know. And the banjo just makes it sound like early 1950s. And it just I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the, I did enjoy some of the backing vocals. Um, but what did you think of Come Again? Yeah. You know, I thought that was an interesting one. I mean, again, like it, it, you know, it comes towards the end of end of side two, and uh, it, it does have sort of that, um, you know, because he's he's sort of dallied with that rootsy sound um, throughout his catalog to sort of mixed mixed success. Um, you know, I, I again, I think that was one of the ones like mutiny mutinies and like um, skinny mini that features at the end that sort of like you know, his vocals sort of getting overtaken and even the like strummy rootsy guitar getting overtaken by this sort of like encroaching foreboding wall of sound. Um, and I really liked that part. And I also, yeah, I did like the, um, the sort of almost gospel style backing vocals. And that, again, that's something that I feel like, um, at least in my memory, uh, is, is maybe a little something, you know, something new from him, something that we haven't seen at least not have at least haven't seen like a ton, you know, he certainly hasn't overused it. And so, um, yeah, I think overall, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be one of the songs that I would have somebody start with, but I, I think mm-hmm. it was all right. I think I, I think I'm okay with it. <laughs> so what was your overall perception and the verdict after taking in the album? You know, where does Kurt Vile go from here? Well, now that's a really good question. And that one, man, um, I, I've been trying to, I've been sort of thinking about that um, for the last, you know, a few days after I've, you know, been sort of sitting with this record a lot. And, you know, like this one, it doesn't, I, I, I hesitate to say it feels like a holding pattern because it doesn't really like it's a, we said earlier, like Kurt Bell's never made a bad record. That remains true. Mm-hmm. Bottle it in is, is really good. I'm not going to be surprised if I see it on um, some like year end lists for critics. You know, I think that it delivers everything that, that we want from a Kurt Vile record, I think it also, like, it shows a sort of conscious but not, like, not, like, overplayed 
reaction to the success of Pretty Pimpin'. You know, I think we had some songs on here that, that you could tell were sort of, I think, written in reaction mm-hmm. to that and sort of maybe written to sort of maybe not recapture that success, but to show like, oh, yeah, like for people who are just tuning in, for people, you know, for whom the last record was, was their first Kurt Vile record, like, you know, I'm going to do more of this. And and the fact that those happen to be some of the strongest songs on the record for me, you know, I think that doesn't hurt. Um I don't know. I don't know where where he goes from here. Uh, and that's a really good question. I, I I mean, I hope that. I mean, I I feel like he's still on an upward trajectory, mm-hmm. and maybe the rise isn't quite as meteoric as it as it once was. You know, maybe he's sort of like leveled out a little bit. But I certainly I, I haven't detected any sort of you know sense of any anything flagging or anything getting sort of threadbare right. uh, or anything like that. And I also think that like on this record especially, like the, you know, some of those like explorations of getting older and what that, what that means. I think, I mean, if I were to predict anything, I, I mean, I feel like that's, that's something that's not going to be going away. You know, that's something that is going to remain a sort of fertile mm-hmm. um, topic of, of consideration and of exploration um, in years to come. And so like, I'm, I'm certainly hopeful. I mean, this, this record, uh, you know, I mean, cause this is also like, this is, this is 10 years after, his first record, ten years after Constant Hitmaker, um, you know, so he's sort of been been at it for a long time, and he sort of reached that point where, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, we we sort of here's where you stand. Like, it's definitely it's a record that I feel like makes listeners at least sort of take stock and go like, all right, like this is what's going on with Kurt Vile. This is maybe a good summation of the work that he's done up to now, and sort of leaves leaves us wanting more and leaves us wondering like what the next evolution is going to be. Absolutely. So I think it was, I, I, I would say that like, it would not be much like uh, come again would not be the song that I would start somebody <laughs> with on this record. I don't think bottle it in would probably be the first Kurt Vile record that I would recommend to you, but you know, like it's, it's definitely a solid, uh, in, you know, a solid inclusion in the, his catalog. And, and I think that, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a a well-loved record by a lot of people. So what made you give it the overall grade of B? What would be your essential tracks for someone to check out on this album? I mean, I think that the, the B stems from, again, like some of those songs, especially like some of the long songs where sort of lyrically there is no real payoff for me. You know, I think there were three or four of those songs on there, which translates to about, you know, a third of the album. Is, is just just okay, um, but there are some really high highs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, the essential tracks, a couple we've already talked about, and one that I don't think we've actually mentioned yet, um, I really like Yeah Bones. Uh, it's definitely one of those like radio-ready singles. Um, definitely, it's a very sort of bright-sounding song. I, I thought that that was um, bright, direct-focused. Loading zones, of course. You know, we've already we've already given that a lot of love today. <laughs> I think that that, that one, um, stellar choice for a leadoff track. Yes. You know, really sets the tone for the rest of the record. Um, that would probably be the one song. If if somebody had to only hear one from this one, I would say loading zones would be the one. And then I really like bottle it in. I really like the title track, and that's one that I don't think we've really talked about. Um, and that was an example of I think one of those really long songs from him that totally worked for me. 
Um, and, and on that one, I think it, it, it came down to arrangement. You know, you can sort of hear that, like, there's that, there's that piano loop in there, and there's also that sort of, like, thrumming drone that kind of runs throughout the song, even when some things, you know, kind of come in on top of it. It's always sort of there, um, you know, along the bass line, kind of providing this kind of um, anxiety to, to the track. Um, and I, I just thought, yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was the one that I was like, oh, I could totally see myself, like, you know, lying in a dark room with my headphones on, sort of like getting lost in this one and really sort of enjoying it, you know, between those, between the piano and the sort of drone. And then there's like the little like swampy sounding like woodwinds that come in at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just this really sort of like humid, like un- almost like unsettling kind of song. And I, yeah, I found something really really appealing about that so those would be those would be my three bottle it in yeah bones and loading zones i love it i love it so i figured you would have loading zones and i feel like we gave that enough love so i i didn't uh i didn't put that in my essential tracks because i feel like we've talked about that so i switched mine up a little bit um all right because like because like i said we pretty much agreed on most of the tracks um which which were the good ones but one that we haven't talked about that i want to highlight hysteria um, that was one that, yeah, yeah. that, that was one I really enjoyed, man. That, that was the, I don't want to say the first one. Cause the first song loading zones got me in the mood to travel and, you know, just put me in a good mood, but hysteria was as well. I feel like his voice along with, um, you know, the instruments, the guitar, everything just sounded so smooth, so well put together. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed hysteria. Yeah. And he also like on that one, I feel like that's, that's sort of him, uh, you know, it, it has a lot of those little lyrics, those little sort of like uh, grinning, like blacker shoulder shrug of a lyric. You know, that just make <laughs> that I think Kurvile has has come to really embrace and embody uh, oftentimes, and I think sometimes you know is sort of underestimated because of you know there's like that line, it's something like, uh, oh yeah, the, like the rest is hysteria, and he's like, and I stole that. You know, it's just like. Yeah. Those little moments of humor <laughs> and those little moments of like self deprecation and him sort of like winking at the at the listener. And I think they really work on that song. Like in a way that they don't later on right. on like Check Baby for me. Like that one because I think Hysteria had a, a, a stronger foundation and a stronger idea behind it that'll sort of allowed it to um, bear the weight of those, whereas Check Baby sort of felt like it was kind of built completely on those and sort of didn't really hold up. So you get it. Maybe Hoosier, maybe Hoosiers just take in music differently then. Cause we, we so you get it. Right. We got uh-huh. raped. We were raised right. <laughs> so the, and the last one, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Um, rolling with the flow was one that just, I mean, just simply talks about the trials and tribulations of life, man. We know we all go yeah. through them, you know, and I, I just yeah. personally, you know, sometimes when you're having a bad week or something, you know, you're stressing that this is one of those songs to put on, man. I enjoyed rolling with the flow as well. And it was smooth as hell, man. Yeah, like I Absolutely. think I wrote in my notes when I was listening to the record the first time. I was like, "This sounds it's like it's like Kurt Vile at his most like Randy Newman, mm. you know, just that yeah. like that really again that like super smooth delivery and that you know very relatable topic, but then also one that can be sort of like turned on its head a little bit. And if you pay really close attention, you'll notice like you'll find a lot a lot to love lyrically and a lot to sort of like like chuckle at maybe not in like a necessarily a humorous way, but in a just mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's, that's really clever. That's like a, 
you know, that's something that, like, I'm glad that I, I feel like that's like a little joke between the two of us, you know, but like, <laughs> it's like he's talking uh, directly to you. That one also kind of reminded me of a sort of really smooth version of like that Joe Walsh, uh, like, life's been good to me so Ooh, far, yeah. you know, that, that like, that like, here I am. It's, it's like the, 20, the 2018 version of that, of like what it means to be a sort of rock, rock star now, and I'm doing air quotes around, <laughs> around that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I love that track, man. This, yeah, this record's full of, <laughs> full of great, full of great tracks, full of great moments. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if anybody's hard. listening. We pretty much just said every single track is That's essential. Right. <laughs> so, um, you my, just want to talk about all of them, yeah. <laughs> good. minus a couple of them. So we we did well, yeah. we did take a couple of them off. What you have coming up for consequence? Yeah, yeah let's see. Well, uh, rest of the uh, rest of this month, I'll have. Uh, I think I'll be talking to you about uh, Greta Van Fleet. Oh yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. We got that. That's a big one. Coming out, I've also uh, I'll be doing a review of Tenacious D also this month. Kyle and JB, two of my longtime favorites, I'm gonna spend some time with them. Uh, maybe watch the old Pick of Destiny as a uh, hey. <laughs> as a refresher. <laughs> um, and then actually in November, I'm really excited. I got a big feature coming up on Consequence of Sound. We're gonna be doing a uh, uh, sort of wrap up recap of the uh, 2018 festival season mm. and see what we can learn from uh, from all of the big music festivals of the year from, you know, South by Southwest and like Coachella back in the spring all the way to Austin City Limits and that kind of stuff here in the fall. So, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, seeing, uh, you know, sort of revisiting a lot of those, you know, those cool festivals that, that happened this year. And we're so lucky to to have those, you know, it's, uh, it's an embarrassment of riches sometimes. <laughs> Tyler Clark from Consequence of Sound, senior writer, joining us here on the album of the week. Kurt Viles, bottle it in. Hey, man, I'll talk to you about Greater Van Fleet in a couple of weeks. Looking good, forward to it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff as always. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Special thanks to Tyler Clark, senior writer for Consequence of Sound, for joining us here to help dissect this week's album of the week. Kurt Viles, bottle it in. I've been your host, Dedrick Hendricks. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter. I'm at DC Hendricks with the X like Jimmy. Keep up to date with all the latest content at consequenceofsound.net. Click the podcast tab and check out our other podcasts as well that we have available on demand. To keep up with this one, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review iTunes, Google Play, anywhere your favorite podcasts are available. Make us one of your new favorites and join us every week, every Friday, as we dissect the highs and lows for the album of the week. Consequence Podcast Network.